You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. I want to talk today about fear. I'm going to start by reading this passage for us. It goes like this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And I should stop and tell you that whenever I read it, I read it like Scooby-Doo. It's a g-g-g-g-g-ghost. Anyway, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid, Jesus said. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on the water, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Fear, do not be afraid, is said in scriptures about a hundred times. Seriously. And to me, it feels like the most pointless thing to say when you are afraid. You can't just say to somebody, don't be afraid. Stop being angry. Don't be, don't be sad, right? Those are the worst things to possibly say to someone. I think when they're saying it in scripture, they're literally saying, hey, you are about to pass out. You're about to die. You're about to faint. Don't be afraid. The supernatural thing is happening. A little different, but still. When I read, do not be afraid. I'm like, who are you kidding Right now, I am afraid. Right now, I have reason to be afraid. I think uh, there are plenty of, of rational reasons for fear. The pandemic is a rational reason for fear. Good things happen when I'm afraid of a, a, a virus like the one that we've been dealing with over the past year. I create boundaries. I take precautions. And that fear is used to preserve me, to keep me alive, and to keep other people safe. Now, there's other good reasons for fear. If we're being chased by something, that part of our brain works well. We're glad that fear uh, shows up and manifests itself the way it does. And sadly and awfully, right now I'm afraid for my BIPOC siblings, especially my Asian American and Pacific Islander siblings. And I'm afraid because the violence against you all is real. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that that has to be a real fear for us and for you right now. And know that we stand with you and will do whatever it takes to make sure that fear is no longer valid because the threat is no longer valid. Sometimes our fear makes sense. Sometimes our fear is good. And to say, do not be afraid is not a helpful thing because we need to be afraid. Fear brings us towards action. But fear is a tricky thing. And it is an incredibly tricky thing because most of the time, our fear, especially in the 21st century, is taught or 
imagined. It's taught or imagined. We are taught to fear. We're taught to fear the other. Christians are taught to feel pe- uh, fear people of different religions. We're taught to fear people who don't look like us or act like us. Those are real, right? We're taught to fear different things. If we live in the country, in some ways we are taught to fear the city. And if you're like my children and you live in the city, then in some ways we, you know, when it's quiet and they're in the country, they're like, are we okay? And we're like, I don't know, right? We teach them to fear the other. Sometimes our fears are imagined. I don't know about you all, but I sit in bed late at night and I I fear different things. One of my recurring fears is that somehow I'm not going to be good enough and that my family are going to end up out on the street somewhere not being able to pay the rent. And it's an imagined fear and and most likely nothing like that is going to happen. And yet I have this, this imagined fear anyway and the same chemicals in my brain react and the same anxiety wells up and you see our brains can't differentiate between real fear and good fear and imagined and taught fears we react the same way and so what makes me sad and absolutely pains me in a time like this is when i think about christian nationalists like the one who committed such terrible murder last week I think about what they're taught to fear. I think about the fears that they imagine. I think about the fact that they are taught that God believes in liberty more than love. And I hate the fact that they are taught some of the old ways of doing Christianity, that patriarchy is okay, sexism is okay, purity culture is okay, racism is okay. And because of these taught and imagined fears, One feels like they have no choice but to commit massacre at the expense of others. There is dire consequence to our perceived, imagined, and taught fears. It worries me. It scares me. And so when scripture says, don't be afraid, I'm like, shut up. I'm afraid of everything right now, whether it's real or taught or imagined. And I don't know what to do with my fear, especially in a time like this, where if I'm being honest... I don't have a ton of hope. I'm scared for our future. It scares me. The struggle is real. I read Don't Be Afraid and I'm like, shut up. But there's something here. And there's something that I feel like this scripture has taught me throughout throughout this week. And and so I hope and pray that it can do the same for you. And and so what I want to do is is this passage, uh, I actually preached on it about three years ago, which I'm sure you all remember really well. So you'll probably remember the fact that I said this, and I want to read it to you. I said, uh, said, "Don't, don't debate whether or not this miracle happened. Don't debate whether Jesus or Peter walked on the water. Rather, I want you to ask this question instead. What can you imagine happening or changing when you can imagine that Jesus walked on water? And what can you imagine happening or changing when you can imagine that Peter walked on water? And what happens to our fear when we believe or imagine, just for a second, that Peter walked on the water when Jesus called him out? What happens to our fear then? 
Now, what I want to tell you is that 2,000 years ago, there was a widely held belief, a commonly held belief, that the Earth was flat. I know, hard to imagine, right? The Earth was flat and that it was actually being held up by pillars. Now, whenever there was a storm in the water, what was happening was there were monsters, gods, whatever the case may be, down under the water, shaking those pillars, causing storms to arise. And so during those times, the sea, the water was an unknown. It was scary. We should be afraid. In fact, people were taught to be afraid of it. People imagined that there were things underneath that they should be afraid of. You see, 2,000 years ago, people were also being taught imaginary fears and all the rest, just like us, okay? We're not the only idiots around, all right? And so what would happen was no one wanted to go out into the water, which meant your worst jobs were the jobs of fishermen, your, your, your lowest of the low, your lowest class were the ones that took jobs in water because it was such a danger. You were supposed to be afraid. Okay, now imagine Jesus walking on the water. That makes tons of sense. You would think it's a ghost, right? You're supposed to be afraid. In fact, the archaeologist about 10 years ago discovered Babylonian writings. And these Babylonian writings are thanking their god, Marduk, for saving them from what was below the water. Kind of fascinating, right? Now, when you get a chance, not right now, but when you get a chance, I want you to go back to the Proverbs and I want you to go back to the Psalms and I want you to read them again with that in mind. Look at all the water references and look at all the ways in which God is saving people from the water, right? This was a fear that people had. And so when, when the disciples see Jesus walking on the water and they say it's a ghost, right? What's their reaction? Well, their reaction is wanting to go back. This makes a ton of sense to me. And it might make a ton of sense to you because our reaction normally to fear is to not take it head on. What we wanna do is we move backwards. Now, why do we move backwards? Well, I'm going to tell you because when we get a fear response in our brain, a few things start to happen. We become less creative. We become uh, poor problem solvers. We begin to hoard resources and people. We begin to identify people as enemy that may not be enemy. And frankly speaking, we are not our best selves. Now, what else happens when we project fear? Well, the other things that happen are we want to run away from fear, right? That makes sense. And we run away from it figuratively. And so the way that we run away from it is we dull our fear. Perhaps we dull it with addiction. Perhaps we dull it with sleep. Or perhaps we dull it with food. I, for one, uh, I, I, I like dull my fear. I, I, I move away from fear by procrastinating. Anybody else with me, right? And so if that's the case, what is fear? Or what is procrastination? but fear persevering. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Anyway, um, you know, so those are the things we do. So I get it when the disciples want to leave. They want to go back. They want to run away. That makes tons of sense. We do the same thing. It's nostalgia. That's what we want. And so in today's times, when we're fearful, what we say is we say, hey, take me back to, one, uh, to what once was. Take me back to that. Okay, that's what I want to go back to. And what once was isn't always a good thing. In fact, we know for an entire group of people, what once was was way more oppressive, way more violent, way more restrictive, and yet we want to go back to it. We want to go back to it because we don't know a whole lot about today. Tomorrow scares us to death. 
but back before, at least we know what we can expect. At least we know how things are going to work. Now, here's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. Did you know that today, right now, this is the most peaceful time that we have ever had in the history of our world? Right now. True. It's a fact. Look it up. And in fact, outside of some really awful things, we are working to make this world more peaceful. But none of us believe that. None of us believe it at all. We want to go back because there's tons of fear around the unknown and it's dangerous and it's violent and we're afraid. So we'll go back. Even though going back wasn't all that great for some of us, we'll still do it because at least we know what to expect. And in doing so, we miss out on what's ahead. Now, this nostalgia, this going back, it isn't just linear, right? It happens in other ways, too. And I mentioned some of them, that dulling, that, that addiction, that, 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 that procrastination. But the other ways that we go backwards, the other way we become nostalgic is we do what is familiar. Okay, so when I get afraid and I want to like just completely zone out, I watch The Simpsons. Now, it's a great TV show, don't get me wrong, but it's predictable. And I've watched every episode a few times at least and even though this is the golden age of TV, I don't want any surprises. So I'll sit there and watch episode after episode because I know what to expect. And perhaps you do the same thing. Maybe it's a relationship. And we sit there and we say, why is that person once again making the dumb decision to go back to that relationship? It's because we're afraid of what's ahead. Going back to that relationship, at least we know what to expect. Why is that person jumping into their addiction again? Don't they know where it leads them? Well, they might, but the unknown is far scarier. At least in that addiction, we know what to expect. You see, we want to go backwards. We want to go back into nostalgia. And we're willing, we are willing to not be at our best. We are willing to remain poor problem solvers. We're willing to remain isolated. We're willing to remain incredibly tribal as long as it means we're safe. That's what fear does to us, right? And so all of a sudden, we have these disciples who are like, I want to go back to that, and I resonate completely. I get it completely. And then here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I love this. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, what is Jesus basically saying? Well, it translates into, don't be afraid. I am. I'll say it again. Don't be afraid. I am. And so this should sound a bit familiar to us. I am. Who is the I am? You know, if you were uh, an observant Jew and during the time of Jesus, then when someone says I am, that's, that's good news. You hear that well because you know the story of Moses and you know that Moses killed somebody and he ran away and was afraid to go back. So he never went back. You want to talk about fear persevering through procrastination? That was Moses. He was doing that right then and there. And so what ended up happening was, was he was happy just to stay where he was and all of a sudden there's a burning bush. And I love what Jen Fisher said last week, if you heard that message. She said, I wonder how many burning bushes Moses had to pass before he confronted that fear. And so the burning bush says, hey, you do have to move forward. You are going to have to go into the unknown. And that unknown, that place you're going to go, is going to bring freedom. And you're going to go do that. And Moses says, oh, this is miserable. I don't want to do this. And then finally, God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you are to say to the Israelites. The I am has sent you. And so what Peter is doing is not so much testing Jesus. What Peter is doing is he's going, oh my gosh, he just said it's the I am, which means that maybe I should be taking this step out in courage. Maybe I should take a step into the unknown. Maybe I should trust because last time this happened, it brought people into freedom. Perhaps it brings us into freedom too. So Peter gets out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, hey, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I'm going to say for one second, I do not care that Peter fell. I don't care that he started drowning. That, to me, is part of the miracle. The miracle, to me, isn't so much walking on water. The miracle is when the great I am says, don't be afraid. The miracle is trusting that the great I am is bringing you into a new freedom. Because historically and traditionally and throughout life, that's what the great I am is in the business of doing. Is saying, step out into the unknown and into a new kind of freedom. That's the miracle right there. So Peter steps out into the unknown. And, and, and what I say is, how does my life begin to change when I can imagine this miracle happening? Well, the way forward obviously isn't fear. I just talked about how that goes backwards. The way forward is faith. Now, I just hate that I said that. I hate that I said that the way forward is faith because it sounds trite and it sounds boring. And guess what? It is a little trite and boring. I agree with you. But, but here's the thing about faith. I think faith is misunderstood. So I want to read to you what I think faith is, okay? Faith doesn't mean in an absence of doubt. In fact, I think faith is all about doubt. In fact, faith isn't a belief or a feeling. It is a choice. Faith is a choice to take action and move forward, even when there is nothing guaranteed, even when it might not be okay, even if it all goes to hell. Faith is the conscious choice to believe just for today at this moment that the great I am is working in our fear to bring freedom. That's what I think. And so when I say yes to faith, it's not like, well, just have faith and everything's going to work out. No, no. It means I'm choosing to take a courageous step even when I can't see the other side. And even if it doesn't work out, and we should all be so lucky as to be flailing around in the water and going, save me, because it means at least we took the first step, right? What the great I am is doing over and over is showing us that saying yes and taking a step out into the unknown doesn't take away fear. It doesn't mean it's going to work out but it allows us to live fully alive and fully in the love given us to by, by God and fully in freedom. Oh, well, we're afraid. We're afraid. What are we gonna choose to do? When I think about the terrible tragedy of last week and I think about our church, I think about Forefront, and I think about so many of us, so many of our siblings who are afraid right now. The first thing that I want to do is I want us all to take the courageous step to grieve well. 
all too often, all too often we're afraid to grieve. Grief is gonna bring out more stuff and grief often leads to action and do we have the energy to take action? No, as a church, I want us to take the courageous steps to grieve for our Asian American and Pacific Islander siblings. And in that grief, there's some action steps that we get to take. We get to learn the history of racism like Sarah knew so, uh, um, so beautifully pointed out in her blog post. And in doing so, we get to care for others, develop friendships, invest in relationships in a way that maybe that we haven't done so yet. And in doing so, it is scary. It is scary to take a stance against sexism and against purity culture. And it's scary to take a stance against patriarchy and uh, literalism and nationalism and all of these destructive ways of Christianity. It's scary because that's what's always been known in American Christianity. But here's what I can tell us as a church. Every single time our church has said, ooh, let's choose faith and take that step into the unknown. The Holy Spirit has been with us. The great Hayam has guided us and our church is better for it. We are healthier for it. And we do better work because of it. Today, I ask us all to take that courageous step to grieve well and to act upon our grief on behalf of our Asian American and Pacific Islander siblings. In taking that courageous step, we get to bring an end to the kind of painful, hurtful, destructive Christianity that causes the loss of life. Let us take courage in that now. And for those of us, our, our Pacific Islander and Asian American siblings who are not able to do that right now, that is okay. Let us, let us believe for you. Let us take the steps for you. Let us work at your direction for you because that's, that's what overcoming fear looks like. That's what freedom in the great I am looks like. Now, there are other ways that we express that freedom in the great I am. You know, uh, there are people who tell me all the time, hey, I want to take the next step in my relationship. I want to commit to this person. How do I know this person is the right person for me? And I'm always like, you don't. None of us know. It could all be awful, truly. But does that mean we don't take that step with someone? Because the possibility that the great I am is in that relationship, bringing growth, bringing fulfillment, and bringing a sense of selfless love is something we might miss out on. If we stay in the boat, say yes, walk on water. You know, there are people in our church right now who are having children. It makes me so happy. Shout out Brianne and Spiro and Kevin and Sharice and everybody else who has newborns. And I remember when our daughter was born. And I remember um, when she was born, we were supposed to take her home. And, and uh, Juby and I, uh, we were at the hospital and we just, we started crying. Now, why did we start crying? <laughs> We started crying because we were happy and tired, but we looked at each other and we said, what are we supposed, how do we take care of a baby? I don't even know what to do. I can't even put the car seat in the car. How's this going to work? And I remember we picked up the car seat and our daughter was in it and I walked out and I put that damn car seat in the car. I figured it out and we drove away and you do it. You say yes to it. You walk on water. Because the unknown ends up being a time and a place of great freedom, which is what that has been for us. Say yes to the I am. Take courage and choose faith. 
Now, there are those of us who are struggling even with this idea of deconstruction and reconstruction. When I say things like we need to eradicate purity culture and we need to eradicate, uh, you know, complementarianism and we need to eradicate, you know, the literal interpretation of scripture that hurts. That's a scary thing for some of us to hear. I get that. We've grown up where that is the be all and end all. And there have been plenty of people who said, you know what, Jonathan, I love what Forefront is up to, but I can't take this journey with y'all. It's just too scary. And I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to what makes sense. And today, I'm challenging you to get out of the boat and say yes to reconstruction. Say yes to the fact that God might be bigger than our scriptures, that the Spirit might be at work in each and every one of us, bringing about a Christianity that is still being written because God is the great I am. And when we say yes to that, we say yes to freedom. Right now, I do want us to say yes to grief. Maybe there's something else you're grieving. Pain. The loss of an entire year from this pandemic. The fact that there are loved ones that we haven't been able to say anything to for months, if not years. We haven't seen people in person still. And yeah, it's almost over. But don't be afraid to grieve. Because I think that is the great I am saying, hey, you are going to be your best, your fullest, your most known self. When you're able to do that for whatever reason is needed. You see, it's not about walking on water. It's about the great I am coming in the form of Jesus Christ and dispelling the notion that the evil and the unknown lives under the water. It's about walking towards freedom when you can't quite figure out what freedom means. It means that you're saying yes when there's no certainty. It means that you're doing the good work when you can't quite see the outcome. It means that you might flail And you might fall and you might say, save me. But it also means that the great I am is right there. Pulling you up, saying that you are fully loved. (laughs) And encouraging you to get out and do it again. Today you get the chance to live out this miracle. To say yes in the face of fear. To say yes to the great I am. And whatever is stopping you from that journey, I pray that the Spirit takes it away from you. And the only response that we have to this journey is this one. It goes like this. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those of us who were in the boat worshiped them saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I can promise you that it might not be perfect and it might not work out the right way. But when we say yes to the great I am, when we have that courage, when we choose faith over fear, I can imagine each and every one of us saying, truly, truly, when I look at my life, this is the Son of God. Let's worship the miracle that is the great I am. And to that I say, amen and amen. Will you pray with me? Fear is real, God. So God, meet us in our place of fear. Meet us in our place of unbelief. Challenge us. Give us courage. Remind us that we are fully, fully loved as perfect love drives out fear. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.